It's the Texas Exodus Football Show with your hosts, Chris O'Connell and Alan Cundy. Welcome to the Football Show, your source of hot takes and mostly correct information surrounding America's team, the University of Texas American Football Longhorns. I am Alcalde Senior Editor Chris O'Connell. I'm here with contributing editor Alan Cundy. Hello, Alan. Hey, fans. Uh, we are, I'm going to cut it, this intro short today because we're going to jump right into it. This is a special episode of the football show. We were graced with the presence of Mike Perrin here in studio, athletics director, Mike Perrin. So, uh, we had about 22, 25 minutes with him. Um, excited for you to hear that interview. We asked him about a bunch of stuff that you will hear about right now. So let's go to that. I'm here with Mike Perrin and Alan Cundy, uh, athletics director, Mike Perrin, that is, uh, Mike, thank you for joining us here today. Appreciate it. My pleasure. It. My pleasure. Glad to be with you. Uh, one question I, I, I really wanted to ask you is, uh, ever since you've taken over as athlete, as athletics director, you've been doing a lot more press. You've been uh, in the public eye. You've been on the radio. Uh, do you ever read the, 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 the articles that purport to know exactly what you're thinking at every given moment? I read a lot. Uh, I, I don't have time, of course, to read everything that's on every blog. Uh, many of them are accurate. Many, uh, I look at something and I think, what on earth was this person thinking? Because <laughs> I have read some things that refer to either actions uh, that I have not taken or statements I have not made. So I don't know where some of it comes from, but I'm always delighted uh, with the uh, with the with the, the usual press. Yeah, I, uh, it, it, I, I say this because we recorded a podcast after, after I had read, a, we had all read, we sort of passed this around. It was a blog that was that was describing to the detail what you were thinking during the offensive coordinator recruiting process. And it was saying how you felt about this and how you felt about that. But there was no actual interview with you. So I was interested to <laughs> interested to see it said, you know, Mike Perrin's in New York for Rookie Williams's College Football Hall of Fame induction. That means he doesn't care about. Here's this or that. This Here's yeah. what we think this means. So we did a we did a whole podcast sort of talking about how silly that sort of was. Because uh, the fans always know best, maybe. <laughs> is that something that you was kind of very, expected? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, in this day and age of uh, everybody having access to the Internet uh, uh, to, to, to write whatever they want, I, that is to be expected. Uh, I think you just have to take a lot of those things with a grain of salt. Uh, those particular uh, days, uh, I was in contact with people here in Austin, uh, but I obviously had to be uh, in and wanted to be in New York with uh, Ricky Williams for a dramatic event when he was inducted into the College Hall of Fame. And I'm so proud of him for not only everything he did on the football field here and he's done since then, but the fact that he came back to school when his playing days were over and he's working on his degree right now. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. And I was honored to be part of his official party in New York that week. Yeah, and I think part of this, the silliness that I brought up was, uh, I mean, it's Ricky Williams. It's a big deal. Uh, <laughs> it's College Football Hall of Fame. So I just thought it was funny. You know, I think uh, people take a step back. And Ricky Williams uh, is a big deal. He was a big deal. And it was a pleasure and privilege to be with him the night that a packed ballroom of 1,600 mm -hmm. people from all over the country were there to pay him honor on being into the College Football Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, and speaking of uh, mm -hmm. the off-season coaching changes uh, on, on, the, on the football staff um, and the great recruiting class that Strong has had, that sort of really exciting National Signing Day that Texas fans are not used to that, actually, you know, that day uh, of just 
checking Twitter, watching ESPN and just seeing recruit after recruit after recruit fall to Texas. Um, does that change your expectations of what you have for this season for the football program? It uh, <clears throat> That day certainly uh, energized uh, our fan base, energized the team, energized the staff, but validated uh, what a great football coach Charlie Strong is and what a program we're building here. I think every, uh, every move he's made uh, in uh, that effort has been fantastic. The uh, uh, recruits uh, had been in here quite a bit in January. Uh, I, I worked with uh, meeting with them, uh, their parents, uh, talking about the academics and other support that we furnish at the University of Texas in addition to all the work that uh, Charlie and the, and the staff were doing, showing them the actual football facilities. President uh, Greg Finviz met with the uh, recruits and their parents and uh, had many of the same uh, topics to discuss that I did. So it was a team effort that uh, really uh, highlighted the support that we feel for Charlie and the program he's got here, and uh, it paid off. Uh, th the other thing that I'm not sure has really been mentioned that much is the interest that the uh, current players had in recruiting. Uh, it, it, it's a, a, a transmission of interest, commitment, uh, excitement that uh, was felt, uh, and certainly the high school students uh, reciprocated. So there, there is a feeling of excitement looking toward next season. Uh, new coaching staff, new offense, uh, and then uh, this, this high-level group of recruits will bring their energy and talents to the field. Every defensive tackle available, it seemed like. I actually wrote an article about it for the Elk Call Day online. Just defensive tackle university coming right up. Just it gave me great comfort to see those big fellows uh, join the pack. <laughs> yes, uh, Coach Strong said he, he'd The big signed, bodies, as he calls them. Yeah, yeah, he'd sign 20 of them if he could have, he said. so. Exactly. Exactly. A <laughs> um, little bit different uh, recruiting than when than when you played at, at Texas, no doubt. Uh, the, the media and... Uh, all this, but uh, one thing, like you mentioned, uh, Coach Strong said at that press conference right, right in the middle of signing day, or right after Texas's uh, class had been locked in for 2016, uh, our players were our best salesmen. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Everyone seemed to, the current players, even the young ones, the the ones that were still freshmen this year, like Malik Jefferson, for example, uh, were just so in on making sure that everything went as they wanted it to. They, everyone seemed to really care. They really did. And uh, you, you can tell that when you're a uh, uh, high school uh, senior, especially uh, when you visited several colleges, uh, you can just pick up on the uh, vibrations, uh, the, the harmony, the uh, cohesiveness of the coaching staff and the existing team. Do I want to be with these people for a long time for uh, a, a year-round type program of conditioning, uh, off-season training, uh, are they fun to be with? And, and, and fun is not the only test. It's a, a feeling of trust, of uh, a comradeship, of wanting to build something uh, from a standpoint of teamwork. Now, uh, I wanted to mention uh, some other off-season things that have been going on, you know, amid the, the, coaching, the coaching changes and this new exciting recruiting class, also the, the, the Longhorn Band moving um, sort of came uh, as part of the uh, an enhanced fan experience. Maybe going back to the old ways where the where the band was in 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 the old section. What was the impetus for that? Why was that so important? 
that uh, move first occurred to me last season when uh, I would be standing down uh, in front of the south end zone uh, toward the end of a game when our team was about to come off the field and, and go into the locker room. Uh, you could feel and hear a demonstrable difference between the Longhorn band that was right behind me and those metal bleacher seats that didn't have a lot of, uh, I don't know what the word would be, technically the, the background or resonance to project the sound forward versus the visiting team band at the other end of the field. Uh, during the Texas Tech game at the conclusion, I was standing down there and I could hear the volume and noise of the Texas Tech band. I should say music, not noise, but the volume and, and music coming from the north end zone uh, and far better uh, tone and volume and and density, timber, all that, than I could the Longhorn Band, even though I was much closer to the Longhorn Band, and I knew how good they were as musicians and how hard they were playing. So after the season, uh, and of course those decisions are made in the off season. so after the season, uh, I met with uh, uh, leadership of the band and uh, talked to them about the possibility of uh, moving down there. They thought it was a good idea from a sound standpoint. We had to uh, coordinate uh, with, with ticket operations on uh, all of that and then needed to look at the uh, some of the infrastructure at the stadium in order to ensure that when the band leaves the field to go up in the stands and then again when the band has to come down for halftime and post-game and all that, that, that we could make some changes to the steps and the uh, pipe uh, security rails and all that sort of thing to accommodate that next year, and we can. So that that was uh, that was the thought behind it, and that's the process by which it uh, resulted. Uh, was it difficult making? I mean, it seems like you having to with the ticket sales, and there's just a lot of considerations to be made. Was that something that was? Did they kind of see the value in making that move, or kind of? The, the, I think the move was uh, the value of the move was was apparent once we began. Uh, kicking it around with uh, the band from a, sure. a Anyone technical who's been there before standpoint. the move, yeah. Yes, and uh, it, it wasn't difficult, but there were just a lot of logistical steps yeah, that had to, be, what... had to be taken. Now, uh, obviously you played for Coach Royal uh, in the in the mid-60s uh, here, at, here at UT. Um, what did the band mean to you, and did that have an effect on you wanting the fans and the, and the players to, to hear the band? Uh, the band was uh, uh, always an integral part of our program here. Coach Royal and uh, Vincent Danino were personal friends. Uh, the spirit of the band, uh, you got to remember, these are uh, people who are full-time students as well, just like uh, the athletes and, and, and others that have uh, jobs or, or, or other ways of working through school. And for us to know that the band practiced at night and on evenings and uh, – invested their times to travel to the game site and everything. It means a lot to you. Uh, in addition, the spirit they brought to the Memorial Stadium experience, uh, the dedication, uh, coming early, uh, playing uh, throughout the game, uh, the, the, all of the spirit groups, the bands and, and other spirit groups that are in collegiate sports, uh, to me, make it so much more exciting than the pro game. And uh, so that was a long-felt uh, conviction of mine from my playing days. As a fan, uh, an, an active, engaged band just makes the whole atmosphere in the stadium so much more fun. And uh, so it's it's been something I've cared about for a long time. And 
wanted to invest my time and energies with when I came to this position. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the Big 12 stuff that everyone's been talking about. Uh, obviously, the Big 12 meetings earlier in February. Um, I know nothing really changed in, in terms of expansion. I know people, I, we've we we did a podcast right after then. We talked about all the twenty different schools that have been mentioned as the possible expansion partners, and um, we talked about the Big Twelve championship game um, possibly coming back. Um, can you say what your? I know you said you could argue for or against both of those things. Um, I guess I'm interested in the championship game. Do you think it it hurts the Big Twelve to not have a uh, have a championship game, especially with the college football playoff? Does that hurt the perception of the Big Twelve? You're kind of way? okay. I think the other side is. Sometimes teams are happy not having a chance to lose another game at the end of the year as Big 12 has sort of knocked itself out in, in some of those previous seasons. Uh, Y'all have both teed that issue up uh, properly, I think. Uh, uh, let me speak to the Big 12 meetings uh, that we did have in uh, February just uh, in, in general. We, we, the athletic directors met one day and the presidents met the next day. At both uh, meetings, the conversation was uh, – about the methods by which we look at how to look at those <laughs> issues. Uh, we didn't receive any data those days. We uh, hired consultants to help the conference uh, decide what data would be important, uh, where to obtain such data, uh, and then where to go with trying to analyze that. So I think a lot of effort will be put forward in coming months to examine what's going on uh, in the college athletic world, including uh, the reality of uh, cable television markets and uh, uh, the companies that are in that business and pressures they're feeling. So it's it's not as uh, simple a matter as just voting in uh, some school or uh, making a decision based on that. It's very, very complex to look at uh, media rights, broadcasting rights, uh, who uh, can bring what to the table in terms of uh, distribution of the product. Uh, it's been fascinating to me as someone who's new to the uh, collegiate sports world to uh, discuss what to discuss, but we haven't gotten there yet. It feels like it's never going to go away either until, you know, because it, it just looks different from all the other conferences. So people are just going to keep going on. But uh, That's true. And uh, I think you'll see... Uh, uh, continued migration. Uh, younger people don't watch television like people my age do. They get their sports news sure. on the iPhone. Five or seconds the at a time. Yeah. Pad, whatever. Uh, so uh, it's a changing world out there. On the other hand, uh, I think that uh, collegiate athletics are a uh, permanent institution that will remain a uh, uh, vital part of the life of uh, our, our, our colleges, of our alumni, and as in my family, uh, three generations of us go to the sporting events. So I, I think it's here to stay. And uh, you'll see efforts to monetize the uh, uh, distribution on small phones and computers and all that. But th that's for another day because most of these contracts run through the 2024-2025 uh, school year. Yeah. If you've got the time, I would like to discuss the, the championship game sure. prospect just a little bit. Uh, the big... 12 is unique in that we play a round-robin schedule, so everybody plays everybody every year. And uh, the NCAA in January voted to allow us to hold a championship game if we wanted to, even with that smaller conference that plays a round-robin rather than playing a, a division schedule. Uh, it could be a very fascinating game because 
by definition, whoever plays in it, uh, one would have beaten the other one earlier in the year. So it's an instant grudge match. And under our schedule, it could be two teams who had played the previous weekend. So sure. <laughs> uh, it could be, and instead of having to rely on computer simulations or what-if scenarios, you could have a head-to-head comparison that maybe happened the previous Saturday. That being said, uh, I think that a lot of coaches uh, don't like to play the same team twice. And if you look at, the uh, say, the NFL schedule where uh, most divisions do play uh, you know, the same team twice, uh, uh, different results obtain. Uh, and the, the one that wins earlier in the season doesn't always win the second We know game, it all so. too familiar with Texas and Colorado. Exactly. You had to bring it Amen. up. Now. Amen. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I was thinking of. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – uh, it's tough to get up to play the same team twice uh, in a season, especially uh, if it's only a week apart. So I think there are, I think many coaches would not want to have a championship game. Uh, the, the biggest argument for it would be to have a championship game at the same time that other conferences are having a championship game in order to have the same number of data points and the same boxes to check as the other conferences. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Two years ago, without a championship game, uh, Colorado, I mean, uh, TCU and, and, and Baylor uh, didn't make the playoffs last year without a championship game. Oklahoma did. So yeah. we, we now have statistical proof both ways. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. It, just, it feels a little unfair when you say they, you know, Big 12 teams can play one less game than everybody else. But at the same time, what does it prove if they beat each other, you know, and they're one and one? Then does, ba- yeah. does Texas have to beat Baylor twice? Does Baylor have to exactly. beat TCU twice? Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, um, one thing I want to ask you about is we talked about recruiting, you know, how it moves so fast and kids, you know, on their devices and everything. Now, the just the the way the game changes and moves so fast now, where every scrutiny on all of the things, um, does keeping up with that is that fun or exciting keeping up with the game changing so quickly or is it like a little exhausting or daunting with so many considerations now like the the payment of players and there's just it's a every week it's just a new thing it feels like new things so about much. concussions yeah. all that you're right the uh the the the, the change is uh there and uh it seems to be accelerating and yeah. uh proliferating not only on change itself but on discussions of change uh uh, I don't fight it. Uh, I, I don't embrace trying to keep up with every nuance because I've got work to do. But uh, uh, certainly uh, I get a lot of interesting emails and a lot of uh, interesting phone calls about uh, blogs I should check or something like that. And uh, it, it's just part of the – it just goes with the territory. And I, it's fine with me at my age to try to do that. I worry that the uh, youngsters are made uh, instant celebrities when they're uh, – 15, 16, 17 years old, and the, the pressure that puts on them. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I think probably the long-term effects of that are yet to be seen. So, uh, And I'm, I'm not alarmed about it. I just think it's a fact. Uh, youngsters don't get on the phone or go to meetings like people yeah. did 30 or 40 years ago. They uh, use their electronic devices yeah, to tweet different. or send yeah. messages or text or pictures or whatever. They're it's, with it's each a other different all world. the time. Every, all their friends are right there all the time. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I wanted to go back to, uh, I guess, scheduling stuff. Uh, no Thanksgiving game this year. Um, it was interesting. We, we've talked a bit about that too. Um, has there been any thought of uh, maybe scheduling a permanent 
establishing maybe a new rival for Texas to have because A&M obviously in the SEC now. Um, has there been any thought of of trying to make that a because that's a tradition for a lot of families just to come on Thanksgiving. It's a tradition for the Texas X's too. Um, has there been any discussion about that? I have a unique perspective on the uh, Texas uh, and uh, Texas A&M game. My dad was an Aggie, and so, you know, many of my early days were spent going to College Station. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, my true love uh, affair with the University of Texas came along when I was in about the seventh or eighth grade, and uh, I come here ever since. But uh, uh, that game will probably be played again someday. I, I don't know that it'll be played on Thanksgiving. Uh, when you're in different conferences, it's very difficult. Uh, the SEC plays non-conference games late into the season, but uh, the Big 12 doesn't. So that the idea of a Thanksgiving Day game itself or Thanksgiving weekend game with A&M coming back is probably uh, very, uh, very far-fetched. Uh, there have been discussions uh, informally of uh, should we pick a, uh, a rivalry to have a rival to have every Thanksgiving game with? Uh, uh, I don't know of any person or group that has firmly uh, said that's the way it ought to be. Uh, the change this year uh, to play uh, in 2016. I mean, not this academic year, but next school year. Sure. To change the 2016 game to Thursday was uh, an effort to see if. Uh, how that would work from a fan interest standpoint with TCU and uh, many of the staff here that had worked, uh, I forget, six or seven or eight straight Thanksgivings. Uh, many of the staff uh, here were uh, pleased uh, uh, to know they could spend Thanksgiving Day with their family. Um, certainly many, many uh, pairs of teams that have their historic uh, rivalry play those over Thanksgiving weekend, so it would be somewhat natural to have the same team year after year, but uh, we, we haven't discussed that. Sure. Yeah, and there are a lot of different considerations, like you mentioned, staff, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited I'll be home on Thanksgiving this year, even though it's I, I like it too. It's yeah. it's, a, it's a, There's a certain sort of feeling. I've been doing it for a couple of years now sure. from the press box. It's fun. One last thing we want to talk about is this kind of big story was going on with now Michigan next week. They're hosting, they're going to have summer or their spring camp at a high school in Florida, uh, what are called these satellite camps. And uh, they actually came to Texas last year, Michigan did, and they were in uh, Houston and Dallas for a couple of events. And I think it was around that time Coach Strong even expressed interest in, in maybe doing something like that. Is that something that, have you guys ever had discussions or is that something maybe that we might see for Texas? I also saw an old quote from from Coach Mac Brown and he, and he said, we kind of, well, we never really needed to do that sort of thing. But <laughs> I think last year, and it was like, Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh, all these guys kind of feuding in the SEC and all these guys. It, it was, um, well, if you can do it, I want to do it too, kind of kind of a situation. But just curious your thoughts on on kind of that whole uh, situation going on. Uh, a couple of uh, things. Uh, I've not discussed it with anybody. So, uh, no, it's not anything that's on my list of things to do or look into or anything like that at this time. Um, it's interesting that the schools that move south, of course, have weather issues up there and uh, want to get into a nicer spring weather for uh, spring conditioning. But also, uh, they recruit in those areas of the sure. country, so uh, having exposure down there certainly has, has value to them. Um, it's not against the rules, um, uh, so 
you may see more of it. You may see a change in rules. I'm, I'm not real certain how that would play out, but uh, it's not anything that I'm considering or that I've been asked to consider by anybody uh, from the coaching staff or anyone else at the University of Texas. Yeah, I guess they didn't have they didn't have really too many problems with their recruiting a, a couple of weeks ago, no. so maybe the well, issue kind of died down a little bit. It's also 80 degrees in February, too, so <laughs> exactly. didn't need to exactly. worry about that weather. Exactly. Well, Mike, wanted to thank you so much for coming by today. Uh, really appreciate your time. My and, pleasure. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mike. Wanted to say thank you to Mike Perrin. That was a great interview. Um, Perrin has been very, he's been on this podcast before. He's been really good to the Texas X's and uh, to the Alcalde specifically. We we had a, on his first game day, he came by, recorded an interview for the podcast, and then uh, we had a photo shoot. Uh, I think it was, I want to say it was in the November, December issue of the Alcalde. Mm-hmm. Um, the day he was famously touring all the tailgates and shaking yeah. the hands and everything, yeah. And uh, he, he, he sat for, we had a photo shoot during the game, which was kind of weird because I'm trying to cover <laughs> the game and... I was helping coordinate this photo shoot, but holding some nachos and a soda in the stands, hanging out with the Hellraisers. Um, you know, we've I've written pretty extensively about Perrin uh, for that piece and some other stuff. Interviewed him a couple times before. Uh, really cares about the fan side of of the experience in athletics. Yeah, which true. Is what really they say about him too of being a such a gracious. Yeah. Nice guy, a guy who's you know listening to all the feedback and he answered all of our questions. Um, didn't didn't seem shy about anything, and if he didn't have anything to say, he just kind of said, "Well, so let's get into it." This is one of the most exciting bits of news was, and this might be a little humdrum for some people, but moving the band, the Longhorn Band, back into the student section, part of the horseshoe, you know, the connected part of the stadium. Now, for people who maybe are not familiar with the layout of the game of the DKR. The band was moved when the Jumbotron, should we call it Godzillatron? Is that still a name? No. The, I mean, you can, but... The Jumbotron was built in the south end zone. They were erected temporary stands, I thought was what you would call those things, uh, because they, they're they not there all the time, <laughs> so the temporary... Or are they there all the time now? Anyway, the band is now, or was, in the south end of the stadium, sound just escaping into the ether, right underneath the Jumbotron, which itself is a giant speaker, uh, and and... Uh, Perrin, uh, Mr. Perrin talked about this himself too. He said he was this was this was fascinating to me. He said he was standing next to the band in the south end zone, and the visiting band was louder on the other end of the stadium. Interesting, yeah. yeah and during uh, the, during and this is end. and this is exactly it. like he hit it exactly correct. Like this, it was it was frustrating when they moved the band to put that lightly. Like it it and I and I was at the first game when the Godzillatron was. Unveiled. What year was that? In the band, this was like offhand. This was after Vince Young, I think. We should probably double check this, but this was like oh seven or something like that. Okay, that sounds about right. Yeah, and was the move immediate? It was so loud. Yes, it was part of the same thing. And those stands, I think, were there already. And then the stands were probably there the year before. And then they were like, "Hey, let's put the band over here." And that state, that jumbotron was so loud, and and it was so loud. Everyone booed it. The minute it came on, it was so loud. I remember them playing like a Coca-Cola commercial, and it was like you had to cover your ears. It was so loud. This thing was so loud, and they eventually turned it down a little bit. And now since Jerry World is open, it's like a little puny Yeah, it's like, not Trinitron even like the biggest, right. It's, it's like a 13, it's one of those TVs like your grandma has in the kitchen on top of the counter. And just, and so moving, but so moving the band back into the bowl section, and so where that's, where that sound can echo from the stadium 
Like it just shows you that he gets it. Like that's then that's what I feel like that phrase when you say he gets it. Like you he gets it to that move. Like that move symbolizes everything for me. Like well, that, and, and then and you're reminding me one thing we didn't talk about. Um, which I, I mean, it's not really a question because this is something that already happened. But uh, you know, the freezing of the ticket sale increases for the mm-hmm. next couple. Of oh, years. right, right. Uh, really, sort of. Uh, look, it, it seems like it's a no-brainer to fans, right? Like, make the fan experience more fun, and you'll have sellouts, and uh, you know. Even if you don't have sellouts, you have packed stadiums. I mean, I remember the Kansas State game last year. I mean, it rained, but it was just, it was empty, you know, and mm-hmm. it was kind of sad. And um, just, it seems so simple. Just make the fan experience better. Uh, and he's already taken steps to to do that. Um, sure, to, sure. To, to sort of overcorrect maybe mistakes by different administrations. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was funny when he said, you know, we asked him a little. Uh, it was easy to do because uh, he's a man, he's a guy in charge. Mm. He could just do it. You know, there was not a lot of pushback. He was like, oh, like wait, there push that kind of seems like a hard thing to do. And he's well, like, well, no, parents, I'm the athletic director. He actually said this um, before we started recording. He had mentioned that uh, on that day when he went around visiting everybody, his first game day, I think it was the Cal game. Uh, the first place he went was to go visit the Longhorn Band because they were having their uh, Longhorn Alumni Band reunion mm-hmm. um, every year. Yeah, yeah, and that was the game. And he—that's just one of the most important things uh, to him. Uh, It's—it's it's not this separate part of the fan experience or this separate part of the game. Uh, it's part of the team. They're part of the team in mm-hmm. his eyes. That's—it's all one sort of like you take a holistic view of. It's the stadium, and it's the how happy the fans are, and it's the game. It's an integral part of yeah. the whole thing. It's for important, sure. yeah. And, and to be honest with you, being someone who and if you're going to call it the so show f- band of the Southwest, you know what I mean? Like, let's if you're going to revere them in that way, like you know what I mean? Like, let's. So, uh, sorry, not to interrupt. To you, be, but. to be, to, to, I, I mean, as someone who's not familiar with the, with the move, I didn't even know that the band used to be in a different sure. place. I have only been going to. Tech, I've only lived in Texas for five years. It so. seems like an okay idea. Like on paper, you're like, oh, well, the band, they're going to come out from the sh- tunnel and the band is going to be there right there on no, top of I, them playing. But like, I saw this news okay and I, went, I was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't think, I mean, it didn't seem like a big deal to me, but then I started talking to you. You were very excited. This just, uh, that made I started, my day. I, started I was just talking in to such people. a great mood. I started yeah. talking to my friends who are fans who have been coming to games for 15 20 years and they were like yes i couldn't this believe is it amazing and i'm like i okay that's cool so then you know I, there's just so many th- i was like i can't believe that that this could this day i can't believe this day would ever come and it's such a <laughs> such a minuscule thing every time you think about it again it's like christmas again for you. but it was it's just like so and and not you know it, it just when they made the move originally they took them out of that section and put them in the end zone you couldn't hear them at all and then i don't like Surely everybody noticed that you can't hear these guys anymore. And it just like, it was just so frustrating and just like, it was just a slap in the face. And it was just, it was one of, one of my biggest pet peeves. And that's putting it very politely. Like, well, so, starting, great. starting, uh, the Notre Dame game, you're going to have a new Bevo and you're going to have the band <laughs> yes. back in its original place. It's like, uh, everything back in its right place. It's, uh, coming full circle here. So, uh, hope you enjoyed the interview with Perrin. We enjoyed having him. Um, He's been on the podcast before. Fingers crossed we can get him back to come uh, maybe during the season. Uh, 
see how he's feeling about how everything's going. Hopefully, he's feeling great about how things are going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I mean, is there anything else kind of sticking out of your out of your that, that he said that kind of uh, surprised you? Or no. I, I love when he talked about the Ricky Williams Hall of Fame induction and kind of describing that scene of people, you know, everyone there kind of to honor Ricky. I just love Ricky, is what I'm saying. What I'm getting you at just here. Wanted yeah. to talk about I just Ricky wanted to mention again. Ricky Williams, and we all love Ricky, don't we? <laughs> we love you, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. The football show is a production of the Texas X's, the alumni association of the University of Texas at Austin. To learn more and to become a member, head over to texasx's.org.